This show's brought to you by Steve Webb voiceovers at theguywiththefriendlyvoice.com. Well, hey, everybody, it's Steve Webb, and it's the LifeSpring Show number 201. Today, I've got a great interview for you. It's uh, Aaron Kreider, an artist you may not have heard of, but one that I think you're going to be very glad that you met. This is his song, The Change, brand new. In a world of sadness You have shown me and madness You have turned my night to day You are the change that I believe in You are the light that I am free in 
Today, my guest is worship artist and human rights advocate, Aaron Kreider. Now, I have to tell you that I get lots of promotional emails from bands and PR agencies asking for exposure on this show or the LifeSpring Weekend Music Show. Most of the artists being promoted are pretty good, and many of them have good background stories. But when I began to read the email announcing Aaron Kreider's new CD that's titled The Change, I was completely drawn in by the second paragraph of that email. And that paragraph said, Kreider and his family have experienced incredible hardship financially and emotionally over the past few years, including the death of several family members, losing a set of twins to a miscarriage, and a son in early labor. Producer Steve Hindelong challenged Kreider to dig deep lyrically and truly explore these challenges in his music. The result? An album that is full of questions, yet resting in the knowledge that we can be content in not understanding everything that is going on in our world, and reaching out and worshiping our Heavenly Father even in the midst of struggles and sorrow. After reading that, I immediately went to Aaron's website and I found a video on his bio page that convinced me that you, dear listener, need to know this dynamic believer. His music, as you have already heard, is amazing, but I want you to know his heart and his story. Aaron Kreider, welcome to the LifeSpring Show. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's great to be here. Before we get too deeply into your story, let's kind of set a rough framework, okay? Yeah. Where are you originally from? Originally from St. Louis, Missouri. A lot of blues influence there. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the favorite uh, artists around here that we play on uh, this show is uh, uh, Jimmy Bratcher. He's from Kansas City, and he's a fantastic... Yeah. You know you know Jimmy? My sister lives in Kansas City, and yeah, he's a great artist. So um, where do you live now? Uh, currently living in Dallas, Texas. Um, my wife and I um, lived in St. Louis, well, um, our whole lives, you know, basically, well, my wife, um, I lived in St. Louis my whole life. My wife lived in, grew up in North Dakota, and then she lived in St. Louis for a while um, where we met. And um, just recently we moved to Dallas, Texas, um, where we're, we're currently um, basing our entire ministry where we uh, travel pretty much around the country and the world doing, doing what God's called us to do. So currently in Dallas, Texas. Fantastic. So how did how did you meet this uh, North Dakota gal? <laughs> well, that's a, it's it's a it's a good story. You don't meet too many people from North Dakota. <laughs> no, you don't. But um, yeah, she she just um, you know it's a funny story. Um, she her cousin called her one day. Her and her cousin were best friends. They went to Bible college together, and um, she called her up one day and said you know what, I got offered a job in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, I don't know anybody there, and I don't want to go alone. So Holly just felt like, you know what, I, I want out of North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's go. So she um, jumped in the car with her. They moved to St. Louis, and um, immediately they started going to my home church where I grew up, and I was leading worship there at the time. And you know, kind of the rest is history. She started singing um, on the worship team there, and I was leading worship, and that was it. Very that was cool. that. That's how we met. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So how did you get into music? Well, you know, I, I, I guess the first thing is I started taking piano lessons when I was in second grade, and um, it just stuck with me. You know, of course, growing up, I, you know, I had all kinds of, you know, little week-long dreams of, 
of doing this and doing that, but through everything, music was just in my heart. It's something that I I knew I wanted to do. I wasn't sure how good I was at it, you know, but I, I knew that it was it was just in my heart. And I have, um, you know, since then, I, I, I just basically laying at the altar of my church, you know, God began to speak to me and, and not just... Um, you know, give me um, talent, but he began to do things in my heart to where I knew that music was something that I wasn't just gifted to do, but I was burdened to do, you know, mm. it's something that I had a burden for. And so that was kind of the thing that really, um, you know, gripped me to where I knew that this was, this isn't just something that I want to do. It's something that I was made to do it's because I had a burden for it and not just um, a gift, you know? Yeah. Wow, you know that's the first I've I've talked to a lot of artists, but I've that's the first time anyone has ever said I was burdened to do it. Uh, you know, right. most of the time you talk to somebody, and they say, "Well, you know, I enjoy it. It's it, I, I, I I'm gifted, I, I believe, and so that's what I'm doing." But uh, you've taken another step, right. and uh, so that's very cool. And you know, having listened to your music, I would say that uh, I I believe you that you're burdened to do yeah. it because. Yeah. Uh, the depth of your lyrics and uh, especially you know worshiping in the midst of the trials that you've had uh it's it's something i believe that that god did you did call you to so uh, sure yeah that's awesome well thank god yeah so that kind of brings us into what you are doing now uh your latest cd right. is your third correct um it is it is we did um a, a record a number of years ago 2006 i believe was my first uh CD. It was entitled Phenomenon. And then we did a live record um, about a year and a half ago, um, a live record. And now we are coming out with the third, The Change, which is kind of, you know, in the music business, you hear people say your first record is getting your feet wet. Your second one is... um, kind of learning your way around, um, you know, recording. And then your third record is really what <laughs> what you're all about. Mm-hmm. And that really is kind of the case with this one. Um, whether whether that happens normally or not, I don't know. But this record really is kind of a, um, it's the story of my life at, up to this point. And um, in, in every way, it just has kind of worked out to where, Everything you you hear in the lyrics and in the music, um, my whole life up to this point is is in this record. Wow, that's amazing. Well, yeah. so so why don't we talk uh, first then about the title cut? Yeah, yeah. The title cut's called the change, and the way this this came about is um, I was d- during the 2000 ele- election or two not 2000, 2000, um, what was it, 2008, yeah. um, um, campaign. All through that, that campaign, I was, um, you know, hearing this, um, this slogan, change you can believe in. Right. And, um, you know, we, we've all heard that a million times. And whether you're Republican, Democrat, you know, that's not what this song's about. But I just heard that, that slogan over and over and over and over. And my wife and I, you know, as you'll hear um, in a minute, we, we've been through a lot of things. And at that point in our life, we were really going through um, some stuff where we just had absolutely nothing to depend on other than the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, we felt like, well, as I continued to hear this, I just began to think, you know what, um, in my life personally, 
I just the only thing I have to believe in right now for a change in my situation is the Lord, period. And then, you know, as I began to just go after God for that, he just began to say to me, you know, Aaron, it's it's not just you personally, but your city, your country, your church, everything, you know, that surrounds you. The real change that you need is me, is me. It's not a political party. It's not a new job or a bigger salary or this or that. The real change that you need to believe in for your life is me, and it's only found in me. And so that's how this song was was birthed. It was just, you know, being hit with this every day, this kind of slogan, and then God taking that and shaking me and saying, Aaron, the change that you can believe in for your life, what you're going through right now, and then for for your city and your country is me. And um, that's how that song came out. Absolutely. And then it yeah. kind of became an anthem of the whole record. As we be- as we wrote that song, Steve Hendelong and I, and then we began to dive into the rest of this record, uh, talking to each other about the challenges that I faced and the things that I wanted to write about. Um, it be- kind of became just the, the theme of the entire record and then the title, title track. It's an awesome song, and, and it, it's it's such a true message. I remember it going through that campaign with everybody else and hearing that slogan and saying, wait a minute, there isn't any, like you said, there is not a political party, there is not a candidate in whom we can believe. The only place we can sure. go, the only place that, that is unchanging, but who needs, who can give us the change that we need in our own heart and situation is God. And Absolutely. It, my way Absolutely. of dealing with that was with words. Yours, being a songwriter and being one burdened with music, was to write this yeah. beautiful song. And so, yeah, yeah. That, that was just fantastic. And it's yeah. not a, a message, I think, that many of us haven't heard before, but the way you're bringing it is just uh, just so compelling. Sure. Well, you know, it's, I, I think that, you know, if we can take, you know, what's happening in our culture— you know, and then apply that to the message of the gospel, such as, you know, a, a major, I mean, there's not a person on the planet, at least in this country, pretty much, in the past few years that hasn't heard change you can believe in, yeah. change you can believe in over and over and over. And, um, you know, when we can take those driving forces in our culture and and then apply the gospel to um to those things, and then maybe even put the message to music. It's pretty powerful. Pretty it really powerful. is. It really is. Okay, so you mentioned that uh, you were going through something at that time that uh, you were yeah. just uh, the only thing that you could lean on was the Lord. Why don't you tell us about some of those challenges? Right. Well, my wife and I, um, we've been married 12 years this year. August 7th was our 12-year anniversary. Well, happy anniversary. And, um, yeah, thank you. We are uh, more in love today than ever. <laughs> That's the way it honest- should be. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, say that. That's great. And um, we, um, but we've been through a lot, and um, you know, uh, uh, we've been through things that a lot of people go through. And one of the things that happened is when we first got married. I was in Bible college in Florida. And um, my wife and I just really began um, to sense that God was um, speaking certain things to us. And the way that happened is one night we were at the altar of our church. I was on one end of the, 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 the sanctuary. She was on the other end. And that night I just I felt like God spoke to me. And I kind of had this little hesitation to tell my wife, you know, because I don't want to be um, cheesy and all that stuff. And I thought, you know what, I'll sleep on it and tomorrow morning I'll, I'll tell her. And 
just what I felt the Lord saying was, you're going to have a son, and his name will be Samuel. I just at the altar of my church, and out of the blue, just that still, small voice, I felt like God said, you're going to have a son, and his name will be Samuel. Hmm. So the next morning as I woke up, and it was, I mean, as soon as my eyes opened, boom, that's just all over me. That is going through my mind, and I thought, well, you know, I went to work really early in those days before school, and when I knew my wife would be awake, I called her from work, and I said, "Hun, I just, you know, I felt like God told me something last night, and i got to share it with you. And she said, well, cool, because I felt like God told me something, and I was about to call you. And I said, well, you know what? You go first. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and and she said to me, she said, well, she said, you might think it sounds funny, but I just felt like God said you're going to have a son, and his name will be Samuel. <laughs> How wonderful is that? Man, I about passed out, you know, <laughs> at work. In those days, I worked at a gas station before I went to school, and it was um, crazy times, but good times. Yeah. And um, so we just, we were rejoicing in that. And um, a couple weeks later, again, I was sitting on my bed in my apartment, and I was just reading through this little booklet that says, Worship Scriptures for Worship Leaders. And I get to John four twenty three through 24, where it says, a time is coming and has already come where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Yes. And when I read that, man, I mean, it was like all of a sudden I started having, you know how you've, you've been reading the Bible before, and all of a sudden just the Lord starts speaking to you through a certain scripture. Sure. Well, that, that moment for me, the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks, man, that just jumped all over me, and, and all of a sudden... I'm just having this revelation moment that God's not just sitting in heaven on his throne receiving our worship, but he's actively seeking a certain kind of worshiper. Ah. I remember just in my apartment there, just lifting my hands to the heavens and saying, God, I don't know who this person is or what they look like. I don't know who this true worshiper is that you're seeking, but all I know, God, is I want to be that. Ah. And I want to be that person. And the Lord spoke to me again right there, uh, that still small voice. And he said, Aaron, I'm going to begin to teach you about worship. Mm. So, you know, I shared that immediately with my wife. And, you know, we just, it was an exciting time. We had a promise from God for a son. And we also then, a couple weeks later, we've got a promise from God that he's going to begin to teach us about worship and the kind of worshiper that he seeks. So we were excited. But little did we know that, at that point in our life, we didn't, had no idea that through the, through the fulfillment of the first promise for a son, God was going to teach us about what that kind of worshiper that he truly seeks is. And what happened is, out of the blue, um, um, I, had just, I graduated from Bible college. I was done. I was out of school, and I started working um, immediately as the worship, worship pastor at a church in, in Florida there. And um, all of a sudden, after one of the most incredible worship nights that I've been in, even to this day, um, the leaders called me into to the office right after church. I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they said, um, we got a phone call during worship, and, um, you know, we're sorry. We don't know have any details, but your wife's dad has passed away. Oh. He was just found dead in his truck on the side of the road. And all of a sudden, I'm just, you know, I've got... 30 seconds before my wife walks into the room to tell her that her dad's gone. She was very close to her father, and um, I didn't even have any details. Wow. So 
the next day, we're, we're on a plane from Minot, North Dakota, um, and we get there. We're going through that week, everything that's you know uh, happens during that week, even just waiting days to find out how he died, you right. know, what happened. And um, the only kind of bittersweet moment of that week is we found out that she was pregnant. We oh. found out that my wife was pregnant, and it turns out that she was pregnant with twins. Mm-hmm. So we get through that week, we go home, and uh, about four months into that pregnancy, four months into um, my wife being um, just really beginning to get over the shock and starting to really grieve the sure. loss of her father, um, she, she one night she just gets up um, suddenly. She was in in our living room there, and she um, she goes into the next room, and all of a sudden she starts yelling for me, and she began to lose the babies there at our house that night. Oh my and, goodness! You know, this happens as we are, you know, we lose her dad. Um, on the morning of her dad's funeral, another part of the story is um, my job, the church that I was working at full-time, called me and told me that they didn't have money for payroll that week. Mm. And so now, four months later, when we're miscarrying this, um, these twins, um, at that point in time, we were several months behind in pay at that point having to trust God every day for, for daily bread, literally. Right. And um, so, man, I, I get her to the hospital, and we, we lost one baby that night at our house. Um, the other baby we didn't lose at our house that night, but we got to the, the doctor and um, to the hospital, and there's no heartbeat. There's no, um, you know, there's no little arms and legs kicking around like we had watched so many times on the ultrasound. Right. Um, they just basically, they sent us home. They said, go to your doctor on Monday unless things start happening again, come back in. And that went on for six weeks. Oh, my goodness. For six weeks, um, we, we go back to the doctor a couple times a week. And just naturally, my wife's body wasn't doing what it did with the, the first baby. And um, we just are, man, we are praying our guts out day after day after day. God you know, touch our baby and, 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 you know, in Holly's womb here. Father, touch her, heal her, heal our baby. We pray life into the womb. We were doing that every day. And this was, again, in the middle of, you know, grieving the loss of her father. It was in the middle of going through an extremely difficult financial time when my job couldn't pay me, right. you know. Sure. We were months behind in pay at that point. And finally, we get to the point when... Um, you know, um, medically, my wife's health had deteriorated so, so much that they had to just surgically go in and and um, do what her body wasn't naturally doing. Our, our baby had been gone for over six weeks now. Right. Um, and um, I remember being in the hospital room, not having any any clue of what, what was going on in my life. The doctor had called me in, and I sit down next to my wife, who's sleeping in the recovery room, and... I just said, God, you know, I put my head in my hands, and I said, God, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. I thought I had everything figured out. I thought I was going to be this incredible, you know, famous worship leader. I thought I was going to do this. I thought I was going to do that. I thought this. I thought that. I thought all these things, Lord. But I remember just saying, God, right now, I don't know anything other than you are holy you are good, you are God, and I still love you. I know you still love me. Yep. 
And sitting there, I just began to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that still small voice again, the Lord just, just interrupted me. And he said, Aaron, you're starting to get it. This is what true worship is, and this is the kind of worshiper that I'm looking for. Yeah. And all of a sudden, again, just that revelation of, oh my goodness, worship isn't music. Worship isn't singing songs in church on Sunday morning, even though you know God gave us that for us to join together and, and worship Him with. Yes. But true worship, at the heart of it, is when life hits you hard. You know, maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your job can't pay you, but you still have to go every day because God's called you to that, and you know it. Like, that was my situation. Right. Maybe you've lost your husband or you've lost your father. Maybe you've lost, your, lost a child or whatever. Life hits us all hard. But when it does, you know, in the darkness of that night, just like Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail, the Bible says they had been beaten, severely flogged, stripped naked, chains around their arms and legs. And in that jail cell, they begin to lift up their voices and praise the Lord, despite right. their circumstance. Yep. And when they did that, that's when their chains fell off. And that's when their prison doors flew open. And that's what God taught me. He, he allowed us to walk through certain things in our life um, where through that, he, he taught this, this, this kid who thought that worship was, you know, singing and singing songs in church. He taught this kid that worship is so much more than that. Yes. Worship is about the life that we live every day, lifting up, lifting up our voices to the Lord when life nails us to the wall. Yep. So we went home after that. We just went after God with just this revelation that, my goodness, worship is so much more, so much more than just simply singing songs in church. And we just had to had to keep going, keep going after God for the promises of the Lord, for the things that He had promised us, for our son, for our little boy, and um, to make a you know a ten year story a little bit shorter. Um, you know, Holly was pregnant again, and um, this time um, we just knew this is our son, and we get to the ultrasound, and um, you know the doctor says, "Do you want to know what it is?" And we said, "Yes." He said, "It's a little boy." And we are so happy, so overjoyed. And um, again, I thought I knew something. I thought, wow, I'd learned my lesson. I've learned that, you know, what worship is. I've learned this. I've learned that. And da 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 da. And man, once again, during labor, um, um, our son died. Mm. He, he died during birth. Wow. And I found myself once again sitting next to my wife in a hospital room. This time she's not asleep, but this time she's holding our little boy in her arms. Oh, my goodness. And, um, you know, we're we're sitting there sobbing, and I just remember again putting my head in my hands and just saying, God, again, I know nothing. All I know is that you are good. All I know, Lord, is that you are holy. All I know, Father, is that you are worthy. And all I know is that you still love me that your promises are yes and amen. And it doesn't matter. I, I may be sitting here in this hospital room holding the dead promise of God in my arms, but your promises are yes and amen, and you are still holy, and you're still God, and I worship you. Okay, Aaron, I have to interrupt you here because I know that there are listeners saying, Aaron, come on, man, let's get real. Surely you doubted God. Surely you said, where are you, God? Why, why, why? Was there none of that? 
Yeah, you know what? It, 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 I'm not going to pretend that it was easy. By no means was it easy. I mean, we, you know, in that exact moment, I remember the first time when, when, when my son was born, lifeless, the first thought that went through my mind, immediately the thought races through my mind, God's promise is dead. It's mm. over. That's the first thought that raced through my mind. Okay. And I had to sit down, and, and I'm literally, I'm sitting in that chair right next to my wife. Our son was just born. And that's the thought racing through my mind. And it was, it was a battle. Sure. It was a battle for me to, to say, you know what? That, that's, that's the case right now. Absolutely. We're sitting here, we're holding our, our child in our arms, this promised son from the Lord. Yes. You know, that promise that God confirmed through the both of us. Right. That is, we're sitting here, we're holding him, and he's gone. There's no breath in his body. Right. I had to fight through that, that, that right in that moment, that night, in that hospital room. We had to fight through that right back to the realization, but God is still good. Yes. But God is still holy. So absolutely, it was a battle. And in the days after that, we had to fight through the, the, just the mental battle of it doesn't matter where we're at despite our circumstance, despite the fact that we've held our son in our arms and we've buried him in the ground, that his promises are still yes and amen because his word still is true. Yes. And we had to fight for that realization in our heart. We had to fight for that revelation in, in, in our spirit. Yeah, and see, and, right. and that's where faith comes in. It's not, faith, Absolutely. faith is not just going by what we feel. Faith is saying, okay, am I going to go with my feelings or am I going to go by what the Word of God tells me? Absolutely. And Absolutely. it is a battle because the enemy, that's the time when the enemy comes after his hardest is, is when he knows we're in a weak place, when he knows that we're Absolutely. questioning, where we're having a, a crisis of faith. Absolutely. But you know what? Just like Paul and Silas, who were beaten, flogged, and stripped naked in prison, if we can lift up our voices despite that, that life circumstance, yep. that's when our chains fall off. Amen. That's when our prison doors fly open. And just like Paul and Silas, not only will we get free, but everybody else around us that are also in chains and in prison, they'll start to get free as well. Yes. And it just could be that some of the very people that, that have us wrapped up in chains, they'll get down on their knees in front of us and say, what must I do to be saved? Mm. Because they're free, and I want to be free too. Yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, that's, a that's great faith. Point. That's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So... After that, we went after God again. We kept going after the Lord and after His promise in our life. And um, about a year and a half later, once again, um, uh, my wife got pregnant again. We didn't know at that point if she was, if it was ever going to happen, but right. we kept going after the Lord. Yeah. And the, when she got pregnant again, come to the, um, the ultrasound. Do you want to know what it is? Absolutely, it's a boy. And all of a sudden, the doctor... I mean, we're rejoicing. My wife's squeezing my hand real tight, and mm -hmm. and but we were scared. Sure, you know, we were we were we were afraid. How could you not because be? We've lost three at that point. One during birth. We held him in our arms, yeah. and we're afraid. And then the doctor says to us, he said, "Hold on a second. I got to go get another doctor." 
and he came back in and they showed us showed us a dark spot on 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 the baby's brain and the ultrasound and he told us that our baby had down syndrome hmm. and again it was a battle that we had to fight through to um bring ourselves back to God promised God promised us a healthy baby boy named Samuel and what happened is every um about every three days, we had to go back in for an ultrasound at that point. We'd lost three babies. Now we're pregnant with one that has Down syndrome. And every ultrasound after that, from the first one three days later, we go in and the doctor says, he's frustrated with himself because he says, you know, I'm measuring the spot here and I must have measured wrong last week because it's measuring just a, a little bit smaller this week. <laughs> And my wife and I didn't think much about it. We just went home and we kept praying. Yeah. We prayed, 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 prayed for three more days. We went back again to the ultrasound. And um, he says, you know, shows us again. It's measuring smaller, you know, again this week. Wow. And before we knew it, we get all the way up to a couple weeks before um, Samuel's born. And that spot had completely disappeared wow. on his brain. And he was born um, just a couple weeks later, completely healthy, completely Down syndrome free. And um, he's a two-year-old, absolutely crazy little boy. Now. Hallelujah. And that's, the, that's, you know, God kept his promise. Yeah. You know, my wife and I, through his grace, we were able to stay faithful, not by our own strength, but through his grace, we were able to stay faithful and lift up our voices anyways. And... Um, God was faithful to fulfill his promise. And I just want to say, you know, no matter where you're at in your life, you may be like me. You may have held your dead child in your arms. You may be like me where, um, you know, you've lost just, you know, patriarchs of your family or where you've been through seasons in your life um, where you have no idea where your next paycheck's coming from and you've got a house payment due. But... Just like Paul and Silas, if you can lift up your voice through it all, that's when your chains are going to fall off, and your prison doors will fly open. And not only will you get free, but people around you will begin to be, be set free as well because you're free. Amen. And that's what the record's about, man. You know, the song We Worship You um, is really about that, that whole process of highs and lows. Life's a roller coaster ride, and you're going to be up one day, and you're going to be down the next. But no matter where you're at, we worship you, God. That's we right. worship you. Little swan plays in the river Running through Cambodia Where her mother washes clothes And her father sails the fishing boat She loves her sister and her brother And she wants to learn to read But she works most every day And she's grateful when there's rice enough to eat One child matters under
about uh, the song One Child Matters and what that's all about. Well, you know, it's kind of um, funny that my wife and I, we've, you know, we've lost three kids. Um, but I believe as somewhat of, as, as a result of that, the Lord's given us a ministry where we have um, we've personally been able to pull um, over a thousand kids 
out of um, out of just horrific circumstances in uh, 26 different countries. We work with an organization now called Mission of Mercy, and what we do, like I said, in 26 different countries, That's we have amazing. mercy centers. Yeah, mercy centers set up where kids from all kinds of backgrounds that have just been their families just literally can't take care of them. All these countries are third world nations. Families can't take care of them anymore. We take them in, and we take care of them. Every one of our mercy centers have a uh, have full blown um, medical care. They have a school. Um, some of them have orphanages. Um, everything a child needs to grow up healthy. And the best thing about it is um, through that humanitarian work it opens a door for us to give those kids the gospel, mm-hmm. for the, us to give them Jesus. And not only them, but their families as well, who, who are, you know, can't take care of them anymore. If they're still in the picture, we give them Jesus as well. And um, one of the main things that we focus on is human trafficking. I just got back from the Philippines. I was in the Philippines um, at the beginning of um, uh, July. And Man, I have to tell you, um, I, I've you know I've I've cried for the last month more than I have in the past <laughs> ten years, wow. because in the Philippines um, I met a number of young ladies that are in our base there who they were literally child prostitutes, they were um, they were sex slaves, and these girls have been pulled out of the brothels there in the Philippines in Cebu City, and um, we've got them in our base. It's called the Happy Horizons Children's Ranch in um, Cebu City, Philippines, and these girls' lives are being completely transformed, completely changed by just the, the love of Jesus, and it's amazing what's happening there. But my heart was broken to, to look into these little girls' eyes and then to go to the places where they were rescued from. Right. I went to the red light district there in Cebu City, in the middle of the night, they took me there because they said, you need to see it. You need to see what's going on so you can be a voice. So I went, and um, I just I, it brings me to tears even to talk about, you know, the fact that we had 11, 12-year-old girls walking up to us on the street and offering themselves to us. Oh, my goodness. Saying, saying things like, you name price. You name the price. And then as we would, you know, turn them away, um, you know, then their, their their pimp would follow right up with us, follow us down the street, chase us down the street, saying, "That's not what you want. We we've we've got more. You want younger." Wow! Absolutely horrific. Oh. Um, we saw, you know, and this is fueled by poverty there in the Philippines. We saw um, a mother standing on the street, um, begging, holding her dead baby in her arms, begging, and um, that, that's a very common thing there. They they when they're children die they don't bury them they use them to beg with because oh, they get goodness. more so um you know i've i've seen unspeakable things in the philippines and in thailand and in honduras in nigeria all all over the world everywhere where we have bases where i've been um seen unspeakable things things that most people don't believe exist in in 2010 but um what we're doing is uh, we're going all over this country. We're singing and, and sharing, singing our testimony and sharing our testimony, but then also being a voice for these kids in these countries who have no voice. They have no voice. They are in slavery. 
they are in in poverty. Um, in Africa, it's AIDS. We have a little girl in Africa in our base. Her name's Peely. We have an AIDS baby base in Kenya. She was found under a pile of trash in an alley, three days old. Three days old, full-blown AIDS, found in a pile of trash, almost dead. Wow. Six months after being brought to our base when she was three days old, she is up to her completely normal weight that she should be for a six-month-old baby, and she's tested negative for HIV. Really? When when the day that she was brought in, she was full-blown AIDS. Six months later, she's testing negative for HIV. Wow, that just so this, doesn't happen. It just, yeah, man, it's 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 just a testimony of what God's doing yeah. around the world, and um, you know through the work that He's given us to do. So it's uh, it's amazing, and um, I just would encourage anybody who wants to to know more about that just to go to my website, AaronKreider.com, and um, there's links on there where you can go and uh, just read more about what God's doing around the world in these countries. Yeah. Now, it's AaronCrider.com, A-A-R-O-N-C-R-I-D-E-R.com. But also, guys, uh, you can just go to the uh, show notes page at LifespringMedia.com, and I will have a link there as well. So if you yeah. don't remember that, just go to LifespringMedia.com, and I'll have a link right to Aaron's page. And again, I want to thank Aaron for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I think that uh, if you go by there and pick up the album, you will really, really enjoy it. I think there are other samples that you can listen to on his website, so go do that. Let him know that you heard about him here on the LifeSpring Show. Hey, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my username is LifeSpring. Facebook, it's uh, Steve.Web. Check out my voiceover website at TheGuyWithTheFriendlyVoice.com. And you can email me at Steve at LifeSpringMedia.com. Let's see. Oh, go to iTunes and give a review. That'd be great. And you can always comment on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com. That'd be fantastic. So until next time, may God bless you richly. I'm Steve Webb. See you next time. This show's been brought to you by Steve Webb, the guy with the friendly voice.com. Check it out.